Satanya. Greetings. We send you greetings. And we hope to receive greetings back. And the way that we would ask you to send your greetings is to share any of your experiments that you've been trying this week. What happened, especially the ones that did not work. Who would like to go first? You? <laughs> I'll, I'll think for a moment. I had an experiment. Um, there was in my community, there was a person who has visited here before and she's now moved in and uh, we've been friendly, but there was a low drama experience that I have suspected or experienced with her before. My experiment ahead of time was to not engage in low drama and to stay connected with this person. And I have failed at, uh, I haven't engaged in low drama, but I have not stayed connected. And this question has come up in a number of spaces I've been in recently. And people, some people are, uh, torturing themselves over not not staying connected like that's the gold standard of not engaging in in low drama and i i think there's times when there isn't really an option but i don't know if this is one of those times I don't know if t talking about it directly or just letting it letting it go. Yeah, thank you. Mm, there's this great section in the book uh, about when is it time to end relating. I don't know if some of you were probably around when we were reading that section. And the experiment was end the relating when it has succeeded. Instead of, you know, this idea that I have to break up a relationship when it's, when it didn't work, you know, when it failed. And, and so because we failed, then we shouldn't be together or we shouldn't be connected or, and the experiment is make it successful. What does that mean? And it would be, you know, the thing that's blocking you from connecting with that person, like in you, Leslie is will still be in you after you stop connecting to that person. So what about relating to them as like the experiment of doing to say, I'm, I'm going to try to be a hundred percent close, like this hundred percent closeness. And whatever comes up in me is that's blocking this, this closeness. It's my path. You know, it's the path. And that in a way that that those things that are blocking are endless, like they will never be. It will never be perfect. I mean, sometimes it's perfectly 100 percent closeness, but not with everybody all the time. You know, that's crazy to think that. And so instead, 
you can consider the failure as like steps on your path instead of like, that's a big conclusion, you know, instead of making a conclusion of I should connect or I should not, I should break the connection. You know, this is kind of like a, it's like an absolute something like that. And, and sometimes it takes like, you know, whatever to not talk to the person for 20 minutes or a week or a day until you, you go through whatever you need to go through and say, God, did you imagine that I had that going on in me? You know, and will they understand, will they not understand your path of evolution? In a way, it does not matter really, because it's really about you being on your path. And so I I wouldn't, um, in a way, anyway, this is a person, I don't know. It's a personal thing, I think, is that I wouldn't put connection as a central value of going on about life because because you are connected. It's a, I mean, show me how you are not connected. And so I think, you know, evolution or creation or initiation or um, creating intimacy could might be uh, more interesting values to put at the center of whatever the relating or your life in a way because life is really about relating. And then, and then the thing for me, it's like when one way is that you know we found the edge of relating is if I make an offer, and the person says I decline your offer, and then they make a counter offer, you know, and I say I decline your offer then there's no deal. It's like, okay, end of the conversation. If there's no deal, end of the conversation. And what I try is I, I make three different kind of offers. You know, I made three different kind of offers while, while being in my, you know, I stay, I keep, I keep my center. I stay in integrity. It's like, this is what I want. And if the person says, well, it's not what I want and what they want is not what I want. It's like, okay, well, let's go find somebody else. There's 8 billion people on the planet. So there'll be a few a few handful of people who will will be able to make deals like that. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I would only add the one thing which is mm, making this distinction about not being, you know, deciding to what degree you're available. And available for what? So you get to decide to what degree you're available for. And you were using the word low drama. I don't know the details. I don't know what the offers are. And I don't particularly want to, but. Uh, <clears throat> Can I say something about that? Just, just say one okay. thing. Which is, if the offer is low drama and, you, and you're not interested and that's the only offer, it's like Anne Chloe said, and it's no deal, but. It, it doesn't mean you know, this, this theoretical value of being connected is, has nothing to do with making yourself available for being abused. And so, you know, there's different ways of abuse. Like if the person burns the toast every day, you know, that smell of burnt toast is, is abusive in a way. You know, if they have a dog and the dog just barks all the time, this is abusive. You know, there's tons of kinds of 
things that can be interpreted as abusive to one person and not to another. And so in that regard, there's, it's about taste, you know, anyway, go ahead. Whatever you're going to say. Well, no, I was going to say as an experiment, I, it, it, it just dawn on, dawn upon me, dawn on me. Dogged upon you. Dogged upon me. That people are kind of using this word low drama and just throw it around, you know, say, oh, we were in low drama, or low drama was happening. And, 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 and really there's an offer. There's a particular kind of offer. Somebody was giving their center away. There was a hook thrown. There was, uh, somebody was trying to play superior, inferior, trying, somebody was trying to control and manipulate. Somebody was insulting. And I think it's a lot more powerful to be able to navigate, um, relation relating. When we don't say, oh, this is just low drama. I, I don't think it helps at all. But it's like, God, you you just made an offer where you, you play low low status. You know, you play inferior than me. Okay, well, I, I don't want to talk to somebody who thinks they're inferior than me. No, I want to, I want to have an eye-to-eye conversation. But it, it gives a lot more power to be able to distinguish what is really the offer instead of just saying low drama. Yeah. So, um, the one of the experiment is to not use the word low drama and to instead discover what's really going on. I appreciate that a lot. It's, you know, the tendency to use jargon or to, to, because then I'm also, I'm throwing it all together instead of uh, looking specifically at what's happening. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was very on? interesting. Thank you very much. <laughs> because I I, uh, I live a little bit the same thing that uh, Leslie uh, <laughs> and uh I, I, I used to say that too. That was a low drama and I was in the low drama too because uh, I uh, uh, I listened to uh, a man uh, encounter in the, in the street and uh, uh, he was talking about his life and I, I was trying on my part to uh, give him uh, um, advice uh, to see the, the, the his life in a different way. He was... He was uh, <laughs> repeating the same thing that uh, and uh, I, I I take the the, the role of Sovar to, to to help him and uh, I was really and I noticed that when I came back home and said oh my god I was uh, trying to uh, to uh, not just listen and uh, be there and uh, and uh, I, I was glad to uh, to catch up myself, does it? Oh, yeah. See, I, I, I did that, see? and uh, that's the path, <laughs> like you said. See? Thank you. Thank you. It's quite a challenge, given our backgrounds, to take radical responsibility for our participation in interactions especially if we're not the, the 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 one who's making the offer like the one who's 
starting. So how do we participate in an interaction when, like, we were trained in school to sit in rows, take notes, ask no questions, and be terrified of being graded and punished. And that's our training for decades. And so to break out of that training is hard, and it can be done. But to submit yourself to spaces where even a few seconds go by where you're not either learning something or creating something and you don't leave, then you're abusing yourself. You know, you're participating in abusing yourself. All right. You sure you want to do that? You know, you're trying to be nice. You're trying to be accepting. You're trying to, I don't know what. Whatever you're trying to do, you have to decide it's radical responsibility for those few, you know, for your for your life, for your time, for your attention. I remember when I first started working with this, I realized I was allowing myself to be abused when I would look at advertisements on billboards walking to the train station. Because they're trying to plant messages in my mind to do this, to buy this, to whatever message it is. And I didn't say, could you please offer me a message? I did not have a chance to negotiate. So if I put my attention on the sign, then the information would would try to go into me. And I'm abusing myself by putting my attention on the sign. So every place I put my attention on another person, on on whatever, is my responsibility. And that to, to take radical responsibility for noticing what I'm causing for myself is it's a challenge given that we've not been trained for that. You know, if at seven years old, we started having attention training and space navigation training and purpose training and alertness to mm, hidden purposes, for example, or double purposes, then, you know, then by the time we get to be 18 or 21 years old, we would be pretty well impervious, you know, unable to be abused because we would already detect the purposes. But we're just smashed down by education systems to be, have no attention at all, except sit on your ass and do what they tell you. And, uh, and that kind of attention is abusive. It's self-abusive. So we're, we're, we're all basically recovering from being addicted to being self-abusers. We're trying to recover from that. And it's like with the alcohol stuff, there's no recovery. You don't get to ever say, I'm not an alcoholic. If you, you know, you just start saying, I'm a self-abuser. I went to school. I stayed in school. You know, the kids who leave school just say, fuck this shit. It's a great song I should send you guys a link to called Fuck This Shit. What's her name again? Katie Goodman. Pretty soon you'll be singing this song with me. Yeah, it's a great song. Uh, But it's like the ones who walked out of school, you know, we're told they're the losers. These people who left school, they're the ones who are dropouts, called dropouts, the losers. They leave school. Well, maybe, maybe that's just propaganda. Maybe it's a lie. Maybe the ones who dropped out of school were the, the ones who said, I'm not taking this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore to myself. 
I'm through with this. You know, and they respected themselves enough to just go someplace else. And so there's nobody who can decide that for us in terms of what we're going to do with ourselves. But I think it's a valid consideration almost all the time. What am I doing right now? Is this what I want to be doing? And do I want to be doing it with this person? And I, I think it's a really valid consideration. And I mean, that's why, you know, in this part of the book, we're in this section about the extraordinary and archetypal parts of, of our life. And I don't think a person need, has to leave the, at least the extraordinary part of their life. I don't think we have to leave it ever. I don't think, like I was just on the, on the helpline at PayPal. I've been trying for a week to talk to the people at PayPal because I can't get onto my account if I don't have a working telephone and I don't have a working telephone because I got rid of it. And I'm outside of Germany where my account, anyway, so they, they, they're sending me a message on my account and I cannot get the message because I can't go onto my account. And I've been talking to person after person in PayPal and they can't, help me go on the account they cannot so i'm talking to these people i already know who cannot help me go onto my account okay why am i doing this well i'm doing it to entertain my partner because she's sitting in the next room listening to the comments that i make to the like what was that one so the lady says i'm going to give you a telephone number i say I, okay she says do you have a pen and paper? <laughs> I say, that would be my problem, wouldn't it? If I have a pen and paper or not, you know, just tell me the number, you know? So, I mean, there's, so the, anyway, what's the purpose? You know, what is the purpose? <clears throat> anyway, God, look at, we're already mentioning a brand name of some corporate banking institution <laughs> and marketing happening. And, and let, it was so intense that Leslie got bumped off the screen. So, all right, all right. Somebody else, anything? What are your experiments like? I'm experimenting, or I was, with greeting other train drivers at work. <laughs> I mean, it's so, it's this thing, and I, I really had a hard time not to do it. Uh, it's really like an addiction. And then I didn't use my hand, but I my face was still greeting and other parts of my body were still greeting. And after one, two days of attention for this, it somehow relaxed. And now I'm... I just, I feel so much freer that I don't have to do this anymore. And my body doesn't do it automatically. I, I think this is such a small thing, but it's. So you're, you drive a met, I mean, like a U-Bahn or something, a metro? No, I'm driving uh, fra fra freight trains. Freight trains. Yes. And yeah, the other drivers always greet Mm -hmm. Okay, like motor, like a Harley Davidson club. Yes, 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 and so, yeah, this is cool. And and on the 
I don't know if it's connected, but I I also noticed that I I have it. I enjoy much more to look into people's eyes. I I don't know. I couldn't keep my center very easily, and although I wanted to, it didn't really work. And now it's somehow it's relaxing and, and at the same time. So. Yay. <laughs> wow. Thank you. God, I hope you don't get reported for being depressed or something. <laughs> you know, the, the National Ooh. Train Drivers Association goes, yeah, that lady in train number seven, she never waves back. And I, I think she doesn't like you. Like they don't report you or something. Maybe it's part of your contract. You have to wave back. You, you could always go things like you go, you know, you could come up with some different kinds of signals that you could try also. Or you could put a yes, map on one of those, you know. Before one dead. Yeah, it's the, what's his name called? Yeah. Guy Fox mask. Mm-hmm. Put a Guy Fox mask on every time. Or have seven different masks, you know, and change your mask every time it goes by, put on a different mask. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. you can just turn around and put your butt out the window. <laughs> you know, something. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> oh. Or to dive under and no, and people uh, think there's nobody on the <laughs> nobody's driving or yeah. get a dog put up a dog you know so the dog looks like the dog is driving there's a famous <laughs> song in America a famous song about train drivers where the a monkey gets on the train and takes off and it drives it as well as the other train drivers that's what the song is about meaning that there isn't so much to do to make the train go but that that's, that's really true <laughs> Yeah. It was about the train driver. Anyway. Or Tatiana, you just shift identity. You know, every time when you wake up, you are one day a pirate, you are one day a doctor, and driving the train and giving different greetings as well. Mustache, like makeup, you know, beard and a wig. So you have different different faces (laughs) to try. You're going to start a revolution yeah, freight train. Revolution. <laughs> train in Germany. But to get one of those Indian headdresses, you know, with the feathers out of it. <laughs> you could paint, yeah. paint, black, paint your face black. Oh, God, this is really... Okay. All right, all right. Thank uh, you for sharing your experiment. It's inspiring a lot. <laughs> Just remember the third rule about not getting arrested. <laughs> Somebody else? Anybody else an experiment? Well, I, I will share an, an experiment. It's more like a crazy idea that is coming to life. About a year ago, um, a woman called Vera Franco calls me and says, I'm tired of waiting. I want to have a bridge house that's about training space holders for bridge houses. I said, go ahead. When you have a house, just call me. And um, she didn't. She didn't call me until about a week ago and said, I want to do this bridge house training center bridge house. I said, okay, I'm in. And today we just had a call with some people in Mexico in San Cristobal who might have a, a perfect location for us. So we're going for it, and it will start on the first of February 2024 for an un undefined amount of time so we'll we'll see how it goes 
a build a bridge house training center bridge house. So it's for people who want to learn train themselves as bridge house space holders and game world builders. Yeah. <laughs> and Clinton is part of it also. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so application. I never did this before. It's really weird. It's really a weird thing. <laughs> I'll I'll post a a flyer soon and applications are open and Vera Franco is the is the contact person for that. Now people are going to come to the meeting. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. That's so a- it's an experiment, but we don't know if it has failed yet. <laughs> we'll let you know. Other other experiments. Hello, Sonia. Yes, I I actually have a lot of experiments, but the main experiment is to check my impulses and follow them and and see if they are in alignment with my being or not. So last week I got my compass back. It was outside of me, now it's inside of me, and now I'm training to keep keep it inside of me like sometimes when there is a lot of fear the the compass like flop out and i i yeah but that's the main main training right now and what what really helps me is to go around with my possibility stone like always have my possibility stone with me and to 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 touch it until there is no story attached to to the touch and to it. and I'm also trying it with other things like we made a process yesterday at this woman journey where where I sensed this innocence when I was when I was smaller and I remember it really and now like I'm going out and and really looking at the nature differently again it's, and it's so yeah, I feel so glad to 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 go out to make a process, go out and see the things differently again. It's so fun to to do that. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to say because it's a pretty new distinction that we discovered. The compass that Isabel you were talking about is called this compass of reality. So I made a website. It's about halfway whatever there's some stuff but it's not complete so isabel if you discover stuff please write them in, and it can also go on the website about what you're experiencing or how do you keep it like what's yeah what you're noticing mm. and i also wanted to say that i held space for this process that isabel you're talking about last night about calling completing self-abuse and really what one of the things i was really discovering as i was researching this process is this this abuse like like Clinton was talking about the self abuse that was so it's like in a way we groomed into it and so kind of grooming into beating ourselves up and not being good enough and being graded and you know how good of a human being are you or how good of a daughter or citizen or a corporate worker and there's always this standard that you know you're not reaching you know which is also the kind of the church the church thoughtware in there church school thought where and 
the couple of things that I discovered about that was one is is this um, one I think one of the main purpose of this self abuse is a way to kill our liveness, like to kill how powerful and radiant and clear we are. And so it's not like any of it is really real. It's not of it. It's not like you're really not good enough, or you really should beat yourself up, or you really what? I mean. How many of you had a reaction right then when she said that you're, it isn't true that you're really not good enough? Did anybody have a reaction about it? Like, oh, yes, it's true. See, see what I mean? See, okay. This is what I'm saying. This is why you're, what you're talking about is so revolutionary. Yeah. Just saying it's not true that you're not good enough. People go, oh, I have so much evidence. Mm-hmm. I've, I'm committed. I'm so committed that I'm not good enough. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I mean, so just, and that could be an experiment. You know, I don't, because especially we in the archetypal domain of, of this radiant, brilliant love, building love, that last book, I, I don't particularly, um, like emphasize, you know, spending all your path of evolution looking into your underworld. Like, I, I don't think it's a really, you know, it doesn't make for a really bright day. And at the same time, it's sometimes, it's really useful to get some clarity about it. And the experiment in terms of this self, this self abuse is to notice that sometimes you're in it and sometimes you're not. And so just before you get into the self abuse, what happens? What is this trigger? What is this thing that makes you completely snapped into the story of I am not good enough and I have all this evidence and nobody can prove me differently? So to find that story, you would need to do self-observation. Could you? Yeah. yeah. Because it's about the section we're about to read is called attention. And I think we'll get into this. Together, right? Yeah. You just, but there's a a a trick, a capacity that you have to split your attention so that you can take part of your attention outside of the box, essentially. And it turns around and looks at you in your box. You actually split up like 25, 30, 40% of your attention, put it out here and have it look at you while you're doing your regular stuff. And that's when you would notice what is happening just before you bring up the self-abuse behavior. Just before you decide you're not good enough. What is the thing that happened? You can't see it inside. But if you take part of your attention and put it outside, do self-observation, observe yourself. And the thing about the self-observation is it ha- it's absolutely neutral. It's absolutely neutral, meaning it has no opinions, has no judgments, has no criticisms. It just sees what's going on. If you have judgments and criticisms and opinions, then you're not outside your box. You're still inside your box beating yourself up. So you actually need to stick it outside of the box where oops, sorry, where there's no, where there is no more opinion because you're outside the box. And it's absolutely, it's just neutral. It's like going, you know, the umbrella is red. There's an umbrella outside and it's red. Okay. I have no opinion about it, no judgment about it. It doesn't mean it's communist. You know, we don't have a communist umbrella. It just means it's the color is red. And so that, and, and that's how you would catch yourself. So I just wanted to say yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know, but my, my assumption, I have a, a suspicion or a guess that most of what is happening is somehow 
you're starting to shine. You're starting to radiate. You're starting to be powerful and clear. And because you've learned that that's dangerous, you you move into this self abuse. So that so that so that it kills it. So that <clears throat> it kills your clarity, what you see, what you feel, what you want, what you can create. Yeah, and that's the ma- that would be the main purpose. Well, so the ex- the experiment this week is to shine. 61% more. 60, that's pretty much. Yeah, yeah. But... I, didn't, I didn't want to, I tried to check the percentage how much. You, know, you, can, you can't shine all the way. I mean, come on, you know, I mean, then life would be over, right? And, and it would be as good <laughs> you as it just, gets. Be, right there. As good as it gets. You have to watch the movie as good as it gets, yeah. by the way. And especially for men on the path. Oh, yes. And women on the path also. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really work for dogs on the path. There are no dogs on the path, even though the dogs follow paths. But so yeah, so it's like shine sixty-one percent of your maximum ability to shine. Because because what you guys probably go around shining probably four percent, six percent. What percentage do you shine usually? Three percent. Come on, James. I see. I can yes. see two, two guys have to answer. Five, six percent. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And other James. Ah, uh, yeah. I'll go seven or eight. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is a hefty experiment. This is one of these. This is a major experiment. Like, see how long you can endure the intensity of shining sixty-one percent. And and and. Um, do it spontaneously. That means it means to put a beeper on your watch so that when the thing beeps, you shine. Because otherwise, you'll calculate where you shine. Like you can shine <laughs> in the bathroom while you're brushing your teeth and looking at yourself in the mirror. Oh no, that's the worst place. Okay, all right. You can shine only when you're what what walking down the street and there's nobody within 20 meters of you or something like that. I don't know. So don't don't calculate when you shine. This means and the thing about shining is you might stuff might come out of your mouth. You might start singing. You could yodel. You might. St- how many how many people can yodel in in here? Anybody, can anybody yodel? Yodel. Okay. All right. All right. So you you might start singing. You could start reciting poetry. You could start speaking in a language that you never heard of before. That's called speaking in tongues. And you understand what you're saying, but nobody else does. Mm-hmm. Anybody ever speak in tongues before? Whoa. I never. Jesus. Well, I, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, wow. Okay. Uh, this is a different conversation, but I'd like to hear that at some point or hear about it anyway. Thank you. Uh, so, so when you're shining, stuff comes out, you know, stuff comes out. Not just farts or anything like that. It could be, but, you know, it's just like stuff comes out. So uh, there's a great little video I just put on my Facebook page, something about complimenting people. Mm-hmm. You just you just really compliment every single person who goes by in, in, a, in a different compliment that lands uniquely in their being that's valuable for them. That And you just go around, it's like you have this little magic wand making declarations, your wand of declaration, you just compliment people in valuable 
you know, attentive ways, ways that are true. And that would, that could just come out of you. So how, how many people will try this experiment with a 61% shine thing? Well, Marianne Reed is going to do it. Okay. Good. Good. All right. Well, all right. So we look forward. Will we be on next week? So, <clears throat> no, it's <laughs> it's not going to be next Tuesday. We're we're flying. We're flying to Warsaw next Tuesday. But I would like to have a meeting next week. So I'll I'll propose a day where we can meet because after that we won't be meeting for months and so. Because we'll be delivering yeah. four trainings in a row in Poland, four or five day trainings in a row, and then we have two weeks off or something, and then we. No, and then we'll be back in September for four weeks. Okay. And then, and then there's the women's lab, so Clinton will be will be the holding women. the fort. I'll be at the women's lab. <laughs> they won't let me in. No. All right. Okay. All right. So next week at a different day and time, we'll yeah. see what happens. Okay. That was logistical. Any other, anything, any other experiments? Well, I want to share an, another experiment that goes right along this sh this shine this this shining more, and it's an experiment that I discovered holding space with Sonia for this this uh, women's journey, where I discovered that I could make this offer when I'm co-holding space with somebody of saying, "I have your back," like just go, just go, just playful out, just take risks, just say what comes, you know, whatever happens. I'm I'm with you. You know, I'm not going to turn on you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to I will be there whatever happens to like be this net, like to provide this completely safe space for this other person to play full out and whatever happens, you know, and I still have my sword out and I still have um my, you know, bullshit detector on or whatever. So if it falls into low drama or it falls into gremlin, you know, I can say, okay, let's let's redirect the space. But so with, this is for a certain specified amount of time. Yes. Okay, you didn't say that. Okay. Well something like because somebody does that forever. Yeah. I mean, what is that? Well, in this case it was we're holding space for five weeks, two and a half hours per week. So it was really for this two and a half hours and also for sometimes but I guess it would be for an, a short amount of time, you know, one hour. It could even be half hour. You know, you're walking down the street with somebody or you on an adventure with somebody and you say, you you get to play full out, you know, and I will, uh, you get to shine, you get to speak to people, you get to compliment, what, and whatever happens, I'm with you and I have your back. And Do you pay the bills too? I can... I, it's happening with Sonia. <laughs> <with, like, laughs> you walk in and... Whatever they order, you can you can just pay for. Well, it. you can negotiate. All right. Yeah. All right. But but to have this, you know, it's so rare. Somehow, like I've never had a teacher who said, "Go," you know, playful out. What are you thinking? What are you considering? What are your questions? Who are you really? I want it all. You know, I've never had a teacher. I've never had a coach. I was professional swimmer. You know, for ten years, I. Most of my partners, you know, never did this with me. Most of my friends never did this with me. I never had really this like complete safe, safe net 
where I could find the edge of myself, something like that, with no with no restraint in in somebody holding space. So that's another experiment to try this week: is find somebody who would do that for you for a certain amount of time, in a certain, and then so that you can find your edge and really go go to the edge. Don't just like see, oh yeah, my edge is over there. Means you got like walk right up to the edge and just stay on the edge. And the fear comes up and the doubts come up and whatever comes up, but mm-hmm. you just stay at the edge. Cause that's where stuff will happen. If we even one step back from the edge, stuff is not going to happen. And so if you've got somebody who's going to hold your back and be with you and make sure the police don't take you away or mm-hmm. whatever, yeah. you know, or that, yeah, that they'll just cover it. You know, I've got your back. It won't drag you off to the crazy house. I've got your back. And we'll handle it. And so and that's an experiment to do this week. How many people will try that experiment this week? Okay. All right. So is the experiment to be the person going full out or being the one who has their back? To be the person who plays full out, to find somebody. You go and ask somebody, will you be my my net? You know, will you hold space? Like, it's not hold space for me. Like, no, it's, will you let me out of the space? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> will you be my buddy? It's like something like that. All right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. This is a, I mean, in terms of, kind of offers you can make this would be close to an unreasonable which is an an archetypal offer so if you make archetypal offers you have more chances to navigate into archetypal spaces of love and space of creation archetypal spaces of creation can you just explain the offers thing yes i mean the the distinction is to notice from which part do your offers for intimacy come from? And the main parts that we distinguish, but there's really, you know, there's a website called parts and there's 50 parts in there, but the the main that we could distinguish is, you know, is this a child offer for intimacy? Is this a parent offer for intimacy? You know, I know better and here are the rules and it should go like this. Or is it a gremlin offer for intimacy? You know, do are we gonna have low drama, haha, I win, you lose intimacy? It can be an adult offer for intimacy. So that's usually extraordinary. So it's a place of um, listening, vulnerability, there's connection, there's possibility, there's creation. And like being adult is not boring. Like to really, I was in a workshop in, in, in Rio and I was kept talking about this, you know, the possibility of adulthood and growing up. And this woman said, what are you talking about like why do i want why would i want to be adult like adult is just paying the bills being responsible for things i don't want to you know having to take care of my parents or my or the child or you know going to work this is what it's like to be adult for me and i said okay well we've been lied to there's nothing to do with being an adult that's being a zombie that's being a pawn in somebody else's game world and adulthood is fun. Like adulthood is alive. Adulthood is is this creation where finally, you know, nobody nobody else gets to decide. As an adult, nobody else gets to decide 
who you are, what you do with your time, what kind of spaces you can navigate into. And so, so that's, that would be adult offers for, for intimacy and archetypal offers for intimacy. They, they come from the, the adult ego state. Like you have to be stabilized in the adult ego state to move into this, this archetypal ego state. And they, they have to do with, in a way, it's like impersonal. And I mean, I think we were talking about that in the beginning of the archetypal section is, is the, the creation is not really, I love this person across from me. It's more, I love love or I love life or I, and so I want, I'm, I'm making it so that love archetypal love, you know, radical responsibility, radical honesty, radical relating happens as something that feeds me the space, the morphogenetic field, the possibility that simply it is possible. And, and usually these, these offers, these archetypal offers navigating to archetypal spaces of love have to do with like being unreasonable, um, being non-linear. I mean, adult is also non-linear, but archetypal is, is also non-linear. It's, uh, it's about taking a stand for something bigger than yourself or committing to somebody else's archetypal commitment or being, let's say. Or, mm, you know, uh, like creating, creating radical, radical relating through radical honesty, radical vulnerability, radical reliance, like radical trust on the resources. Into, yeah. So that the one, the, yeah, the experiment is one of those is let's do something, you know, like adult is fair. Adult is in a way it's still reasonable. Like being adult, being extraordinary is, is actually reasonable, even if it seems unreasonable from an ordinary perspective, you know, to actually, um, anyway, I was going to say something, but sort of to allow yourself to like not be self-abused like to walk in the world and not and 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 decide, you know, I'm not gonna offer myself self abuse. Or I'm not gonna abuse others. Um, that's that's extraordinary and that's adult. Being able to stand in yourself without being self abused is adult, and that is shocking for like most people on the planet. It's so shocking as an offer, but that's basic. That's adult. Being kind of being okay, being yourself, being even maybe glad to be yourself. Well, that would be an additional experiment without, in the, separate from the shining, is to spend at least seven minutes a day seeing if you can be glad about being yourself. And, and then find out what undermines that. What you can just do whatever you're doing, being glad about being yourself, not manipulating yourself to do something, whatever. Just mm-hmm. the, the the central experience of those seven minutes is being glad about being yourself. 
Let's see if you can do that. I mean, try to imagine hanging out with somebody who's not glad about being mm -hmm. themselves. What's that like for you? You know, I'm going to hang out with somebody who doesn't doesn't feel glad about being themselves. Well, they've probably put on a lot of makeup, and I mean, I don't mean just you know goo and slime. I mean makeup like a lot of pretend stuff about what they what they think they should be like so that they could possibly like themselves or like being with themselves. So just imagine what that's like for all the other people, even walking down the street, if they have to walk next to you and, and you don't like yourself, what is that like for them? I'm not trying, I'm not say trying to be adaptive to please other people that you're liking yourself. Cause if you like yourself, other people will get pissed off or afraid because then they'll be mirrored back to them that they don't like themselves either. But, but you could just have that experience of walking, you know, being there seven minutes, once a day, seven days this week, liking yourself, like just completely liking yourself. See if you can do that for seven minutes. I mean, this is a little, it's still about the self-abuse. I was, I was discovering also that the self-abuse in a way, it's a way to put, to set up eggs around yourself. And then everybody has to walk on eggs around you. You get that? It's like a, it's a way that then people are not really allowed to relate to you because you're not worth relating to. It's like you're, you're not good enough. You're shit. You're, you will never make it. You're a failure. And, and it's. I mean, they can't get close to you because you yeah, put all those eggs. Yeah. And what if they smash the eggs? Well, then how dare you? That's bad. <laughs> it's really bad. Do they get the punishment? Like, or, or bombs. You put, you know, the self-abuse can also, you put bomb mines, you know, like, how do you call it? Mines. And people get too close to you and they, you know, don't. Yeah. Does anybody know anybody who puts landmines around if anybody gets too close? Anybody know anybody who does that? Okay. And so partly, of, I think the this, like, just... Uh, whatever healing self-abuse or completing self-abuse is to is to how do you call it uh detonate not detonate like no, disarm just, disarm just, yeah. the, the landmines well that would be another experiment <laughs> like <laughs> how many of those bombs can you disarm you know you've got this one about the eggs and this one about the temperature and this one about the sound and this one about salt and this one about your mother and this one about well this one about like if somebody is like, I mean, I've noticed that Close. if somebody makes um like ask a question like, will you you know will you hold space for a work talk? And the the mind is you you pressuring me. That's what your your mind. So is? no, that's one of that I've noticed around is if there's somebody you ask somebody yeah I ask somebody you know will you hold space for this work talk? It's like well I feel pressured, uh, you know, and then I and then I, it's like okay I can't make these kind of offers anymore. Because I, I, you know, I don't want to be blown You need one of those blast shields. Right. Like, you know, like uh, those steel things, you know, where you can walk up and make offers without getting hit by shrapnel. One of those police yeah. things. So this pressure thing, I think it's, it's, I think it comes from the self-abuse. It's like, because we're self, we're abusing ourselves. It's like, if anybody provides any kind of offers that would, um, like amplify that, we have to kill them. Like we have to kill that offer. I mean, I was just thinking how these politically correct spaces where you have to speak in a gender proper terminology 
or the bomb goes off. Mm -hmm. And so people have all these bombs around them and it's a way to stay separate. People think it's a way to connect, but it's not. It's a way to really stay separate. And so it's really a bomb, one of the landmines. And so the experiment is to diffuse your landmines just for this week, you know, just and see, see, you know, people already know us, you know what I mean? So they already know our landmines. Mm -hmm. So they're going to assume that we have our landmines around us. So when you disarm the landmine, they will not know it. You could put a sign out there, go, this landmine is disarmed. Mm -hmm. But maybe you could put that on your shirt, you know, put these sticky tape things on this. I disarm the landmine, you know, about gender, gender terminology or, or <laughs> about the color pink or about, you know, garlic or whatever it is about. About any, or about, I mean, it could be, I disarm the landmine about low drama because we were talking about that in the beginning of like being in low drama about being in low drama. So I don't care if you're in low drama or not. Yeah, whatever. That'd be yeah. a good t-shirt. <laughs> I don't I'm care not. if you're in low drama or not. <laughs> so that's another experiment is disarm your landmines. Can you guys are gonna next week we're gonna you're gonna be totally different people. We'll <laughs> be completely different beings. Isabel, you were gonna say something? My edge is more how to come through the landmine to the other person. Like how to because somehow I sense that I'm that I that I sometimes go like go into the landmine, you know, I, I get snapped into the landmine. You are muted. Okay. We have, speaking of landmines, we have these two giant dogs out here that bark with the next door neighbor's dogs. We can hardly hear ourselves or you, but we didn't want you to hear the dogs. Okay. So are you talking, you're walking into your own landmines? No, no, no. In the, in the, of the other ones, like I'm sensing the landmines of the other ones. And I ask myself how I can be in the team of the other person if there are so much landmines that if I just say, would you make an emotional healing process about that? The person just explode and say, you are pressuring me and, and, and just like, you know, and, and don't, and even if I, if I, if I call the person and say, Hey, I want to talk with you. Let's have this conversation about what is going on. And the person say, no. And and so somehow how to be in a team with a person who has this landmines and what like how to navigate it to yeah for me really this this how and Chloe said this elegant way to to find maybe a gap in there. <laughs> you asking a nasty question. Okay. I mean, because, you know, we a lot of possibility management, like the entire 13 tools are about that. You know, you have the disk of nothing, you know, your wand of declaration, your sort of clarity, like all this, your is glue, your is glue dissolver. And so there's all these things that you could use. And it's like, okay, you're trying to squeeze milk out of a rock or lemonade or something. You're squeezing this rock and the lemonade doesn't come out. So what are you going to do? I mean, you know, are you abusing yourself? You know, are you trying to abuse yourself? 
and you might be, you might bring friends around you because I mean I think this I'm suspicious about this because you know people can walk into a party and in less than a minute you scan a hundred people and choose the person whose box and everything exactly matches your father's box or your mother's box and then you become friends with them so that you have a familiar environment in which to explode all the time. So you can find people who have those kind of landmines just so your box and your gremlin can have this common familiar reaction points, you know, and you can find them really quick in a party without even thinking about it. You do it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You can spot those people and you can pair up with them. Then you have a wonder why your life is uncomfortable because it's just as uncomfortable as it was when you're living with your parents. And so, you know, this is a way of, of our our kind of self-abuse. And so the question is, how can you hang out with people who don't have landmines that that you can trigger? Like, can you find a different kind of person? You have to scan people for no landmines, the, the kind that you, you know, can you do that? You can just walk up to strangers on the street and I think, I think you only have, I think you don't have any landmines that are going to trigger me. Can we have lunch? Mm-hmm. Like, wanna, want your, let's have, you know what I mean? I, let's, Let's connect because I think I think you can't even begin to blow me up the way everybody else. That I, if I pick a friend, you know, you could just walk backwards down the street and the first person you bump <laughs> with, make make them into your friend. Because if you can look forwards, then your box is going to pick people out, you know, to drive you crazy in the usual way. So if you if you make it completely accidental and really trust the Earth Coincidence Control Office to bring the next person around. You know, then you could go, wow, that this is incredible. I don't I can't even predict what you're going to say next. Something like that. Yeah, cool. And what came up to me when you said that is that I have a fantasy about how a team what what is a team or like and I have this thing of okay every everything had to be uh talked about and like you know and not ever time for that. So you obviously, you obviously did not read Ender's Game by Orson no. Scott Card. Okay, you got to read that book next. Ender's and there is Game. also a web uh, a website, not a movie. Ender's yeah, forget Game. the movie. Read the book. Yeah, Ender's Game, Orson Scott Card. There's a series of books, but just read the first one. Or and the other ones, if you really hey, want. That's too much. <laughs> No, I mean, just read the one because it's about how to build a team out of misfits, out of rejects, out of the weirdos. It's about what what can you do with them? You know, how do you, how can you have a team where nothing is talked out ever? Mm-hmm. It's just not talk. You just don't even, it's not even possible to begin talking stuff out. You just have it, you build your team that way. So I'm not going to tell you anymore. About it. You have to read it and then put in your matrix code in the start over game. <laughs> matrix points. You have to put those in. You get three points for reading a book on the list. It's on the list. All right, Isabel? Yes. Okay, thank you. They probably even have it in Netherlands. The Sprache Netherlands. What? Well, why would you want it in? I don't know. What language do you speak? I speak. Uh... Portuguese and German. 
Yeah, okay. And obviously English. Keep it English. <laughs> English one. And English. Yeah. Well, they can't say the kind of stuff they need to say in Portuguese or German. Portuguese sounds like Russian. Anyway. All right. Uh, anything else from anybody else? Janet, how's it going over there? I have had a fun 10 days out at Tui Community, uh, being myself, enjoying myself, and getting that reflection. Thank you. <laughs> what, about the what about the landmines, Janet? Oh, there ain't no shortage of landmines there. <laughs> <laughs> but I can Scottish dance around most of them. <laughs> <laughs> to see how that goes, the Scottish dance. <laughs> You've seen me Scottish dance when you tried to introduce me to the four brains in Mallorca. I said to you, Clinton, I'm a woman. There's no way I dance in just one of them boxes. So I Scottish <laughs> danced around the four of them. Don't you remember? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to say quite seriously, I do enjoy who I am. I'm glad my body's been on this planet longer than others. I, most of the time, totally enjoy who I am and what I'm creating in the world. Yeah, but can you give lessons in that? You know, lessons in yeah. enjoying Janet Redmond. No. I mean, not, <clears throat> no, not enjoying that. <laughs> lessons in enjoying being yourself. That sounds like another Gabriel interview. He asks me about some of my, interviews me about some of my unconscious competence. Okay. Can give lessons in it. Well, people, no, not lessons. But when people are around me, they usually enjoy themselves and more of them come out. And then we have conversations about what are they creating in the world and what team do they need around them. But can they do it when you're not there? No, but it's a start, Clinton, one step at a time. <laughs> and you're getting them addicted to you. At least get their email address. <laughs> send them your what? Get, get their email address. You can send them your newsletter. They can go on my website now, thanks to James. There's lots of them. <laughs> thanks to yeah. Oh, James. And I'm I'm really looking for James comes back tomorrow. He's been away for two and a half weeks, and I really have felt the difference of not having the, the spaces we usually go to together with him being gone. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. You can punch him in the arm when he comes so that he doesn't do it again. No, just punch him right here. In the no arm. way. No way. No. This, uh, this is nope. I'm telling you how to work with men. You know, men need that kind of stuff. They need to... <laughs> No, I have other I have other tricks. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough for now. <laughs> Thank you. All right. All right. All right, I guess we have to do this. Okay. Chapter eight, section eight E. E like elephant. Page two five nine. It's called the power of attention. You have to take a deep breath before we start reading this because it's going to be heavy-duty stuff. 
just the first sentence, it'll take you into a different universe. It goes like this. <clears throat> Human attention is one of the most delectable, delicious substances in the universe. I'm just going to say that again. Human attention is one of the most delicious substances in the universe. How much effort do you put into trying to get attention from other people? Most people love to get either positive or negative attention because it feels great to have another person's attention no matter what form it is. So this thing about getting negative attention is huge. I mean, you know, guys drive around on these really loud motorcycles just to get attention, even if it's negative attention. People walk down the street with a dog that goes, you know, at other people, and they just get all this negative attention. And it's it's at least that negative attention is better than no attention at all. So there's a lot of humans, creatures out there. A lot of kids also. Kids sometimes it's the only way they would get attention. Is is seeking even negative attention just because it's better than no attention at all. Human attention is sometimes the only thing required to perform healings and to cause transformation. That's how powerful it is. We each have masculine and feminine forms of attention. Masculine style of attention is singular, focused, directed, analytical point attention, like at a point. Feminine style of attention is wideband, multidimensional, free-floating, intuitive field attention. So we're making a distinction between these two kinds of attentions, point attention, a little tiny point, field attention. It's like everywhere at once. Each kind of attention has its particular, particularly effective applications. For example, masculine point attention is useful for persisting, for getting a job done, project finished. We're drilling down to get to the root of a matter, whereas feminine field attention is useful for scanning projects, people, situations to assess the overall state of things, to check for unexpected conditions, to detect the mood or the drift of underlying currents. That's what that's really powerful for. Placing your attention on something is like shining a flashlight into the dark. Where your attention goes, your energy flows. The effects caused by consciously directed attention do not come from the attention itself, but rather from the energy that flows along the attention. I don't know if I get into it, but I want to say it right now, which is the energy that flows along attention is consciousness. The energy that flows is awareness. The energy that flows along attention is awareness or consciousness. 
And so, and it's the consciousness that has this transformational effect or this nurturing effect or the effect of the feeding. You can feed somebody by giving them your attention, by paying attention to them. They're fed. That's part of this listening. You know, when you're listening as a space, you're putting your attention on the person speaking. And so they're being supported, like your consciousness supports their speaking. Your consciousness supports their speaking. Your understanding integrates their speaking, integrates their understanding. So it's the energy that flows on your attention is this consciousness. It is your energy that lights things up. For example, when a man places his archetypal masculine attention on his woman, this archetypal masculine energy flows to her. And in that moment, she can light up. When a man places his conscious attention on his woman, the space is held for her. She is protected and feels safer. She no longer has to take care of herself from a survival perspective. So her masculine defensive strategies, you know, her defense strategies against the unconscious masculine can relax. She, she can soften and become more feminine. In that moment of softening, the door opens for our archetypal woman to appear. Can you guys hear me okay? I don't know. Yes. Yes. There's, she softens and becomes more feminine. In that moment of softening, the door opens for archetypal woman to appear. You can watch it happen as she changes before your eyes from an ordinary human woman into the pirate, sorceress, warrioress, queen, goddess woman. A transformation that is more thoroughly investigated in the next chapter of this book. But if a man places his ordinary attention on a woman, even for an instant, <coughs> the spell is broken. One woman describes it like this. If I am adored by my partner, my man, it builds a foundation and I can abandon myself into being a fabulous and sensuous woman. But if he judges me, even in the slightest way, everything falls apart like it was a house of cards. The mood is shattered. The door is closed. <clears throat> I think everybody here knows what I'm talking about. People know what we're talking about here. Okay. All right. So I kind of remember when I first heard about this stuff and started experimenting with it. And it was really a shocking thing for me because even if I had never heard about it before or never been working with it before, it has existed before. It has existed essentially ever since human beings were formulated like we're formulated. So if a person is not aware of this, they can't really navigate there to these doorways. If a culture 
does not know about this, then the entire culture is missing these doorways or these opportunities. And so the culture that I was born and raised in, which is essentially modern capitalist patriarchal empire, <clears throat> is not aware of these doors. And so I spent decades of my life, even with my father, my mother, some some girls I knew, whatever, my teachers, anybody, completely unconscious about all this stuff. And it, I mean, for me, they were, these were like wasted years. In a way, it was was like um, I'm sitting I'm sitting next to a doorway that opens to a complete treasure trove of all kinds of jewels you could imagine and the door is not locked the door is not locked it's just a door but if i don't know the door is there if i don't open the door the treasure is completely unavailable and so i lived a lot of my life probably the first almost 40 years of my life without connection to that so What's what is possible is that this could be this could be woven into the culture, to be included in the culture. And that's the kind of culture that I'm attracted to or interested in, and perhaps you also. But it's and to me it's part of archiarchy. It's part of next culture. And it's a, an essential like Elements is an essential factor, an essential ingredients of archaeology is this this sort of knowledge and these kinds of practices is that's it's part of it. And then hopefully, as the culture spreads and people start bringing it to life more, then more and more people will be exposed to this. I mean, for me, when this first happened, for me, it, I came to a point pretty quickly where I realized that this stuff was more powerful or more interesting than civilization, than the next technological invention, than having another freeway put across the city or another tall building built in the city or another faster access on my phone. You know, it was, it was more interesting than all of that. It puts civilization out of business. And I, I, must, I assume that that's why civilization is not so interested in this stuff, is it would be replaced rather suddenly if people became aware of this. So if that starts happening for you, if you start noticing that these, these spaces and these dimensions that we start accessing in the archetypal domains become more fascinating and more nurturing for you than civilization and you and there's this kind of this balance starts going the other way inside of you then it's it's a pretty huge liquid state but if you know what's going on you can just ride with it you can just let the let the you can let the balance tip to the other side and then things just start falling away from what you used to think of as so important you know and just kind of falls off and what's important has a lot less material involved like material, materialistic substance has less material substance to it, and then in your and you your perceptions, you know, your values change as you start becoming aware of this and doing experiments with it. Your values change, and it's 
you know, I was just thinking, so Barbara Yadrusiak, I'm talking to you, for example. So you haven't been in in this space very much. Is that true? It's new for you, right? Um, it's probably my fourth time here. Yes, and have, have, I don't know how much you've been involved in expand the box trainings or possibility labs or anything. Uh, yes, I uh, I was in one ATB and one lab last year. Yeah. Okay, so all I'm saying is it could sound pretty wild or it could be could seem unusual or new or something like that. And all I'm saying is, you know, if this balance starts to change in you, you start sensing the balance because you're a young person and you're new to possibility management, basically, it could feel really weird. You understand like probably there are a few people in your environment, not very many people in your environment who would understand what's happening for you. If that balance starts to change in you. And so if it does, just stay in touch with these guys, you know, the people on the team. And if you ever feel like talking with any of them outside of, this goes for anybody, but if, if you feel like, you know, stuff's going on, you know, you're starting to notice different things or it just feels weird and you, and you want, just call somebody up, really. Just go back to the recording, get their name, call them up. Everybody's in Telegram here or you can be found that way. So people are easy to find and just call them up and, and have, just talk about it. So do we have a deal? Do we have a deal? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> handshaking deal. I'm shaking your hand. Virtual hand. Okay. okay. <laughs> I took the hand also. <laughs> That's fine. I accept. But Barbara, were you going to say something? Yes, I, I accept. And at the same time, I don't feel like I'm lost or something. I I've, I have people that I can talk to. and But this it is uh, for sure my next steps to, to have more people. To, so, yes, thank you. So how many people are willing to accept a spontaneous call from Barbara about any of this stuff? Just put up your hand so she can see. James put up two hands. <laughs> it's cheating, but it's cheating, but <laughs> okay, you get that? There's not much resistance to you calling people any time of day or night about anything. So you have a bunch of new <laughs> friends you didn't you don't even know yet. Okay? <laughs> Good. Good. All right. Anything else about this before I read some more? Okay. Let me see. I'll just say, James, what you wrote, because I think it's valuable for everybody. So... James was just asking if um, there was a study group, a, a telegram group just for the people in the study group to make these connections easier. And it's funny that you say that because the pos the Possibility Creation Village was originally um, the study group group. That's how it, it was born. Um, and 
I don't know if it seems like a place that is needed. Go ahead, go ahead and create it. I think. Or use the. Yeah. Creation village. I, I mean, that would be my my main office to use the creation village because there's a lot of people listening to the recordings, and you know we have like at least a hundred to hundred and fifty downloads, you know, of of people listening to the recording, and and that the conversation is probably the best conversation that we can have in the in the creation village about this stuff. So. Yeah, you just say, "Hey, we're yeah. we were on page whatever of the." building love the last book and I got these questions or this stuff is going on. Can somebody talk to mm -hmm. me like that? Cool. Thank you. And I, you know, I, I just want to say like, I'm amazed about this possibility creation village about the quality of, of the space, like the lack of any kind of low drama for months, like in, it's been on for four years now, three years. And it's been two times where there's been low drama that we need to like, we needed to handle it. But the rest of the time, it's just been this amazingly extraordinary telegram group with we powerful, not logistical, you know, powerful content being shared. And I'm in other, other telegram groups from other contexts and I haven't seen that happen. And so I want to say that I think we've developed somehow in possibility management, a real ability to hold space for teams also virtual, like global communities and online extraordinary spaces. And that it's a skill that I think I'm missing in a lot of organization and whatever groups, communities, where they just don't know. It's either kind of superficial and kind of dead or it's this whatever low drama. So just know that you you have an experience of what it's like to have actual community with a, with a global, even virtual community. And that, that could be a non-material value that you offer of saying, let me show you how you can set this up yeah. and how it goes. Because it'd be really, yeah, there's a, many, many global communities that would benefit from that. Anything else right now before we jump back in? Okay. So I was just talking about how even one, the slightest little judgment will shut down, you know, a door, a doorway, anything, anything ordinary. And one piece of ordinary can destroy extraordinary, can, does not have to. You can keep your energetic body spinning. You can keep your attention focused. You can let the door that they open, slide by, a few seconds pass, and it doesn't have to destroy the extraordinary space. And, uh, yeah, you need to work on that. All right. A woman must also be careful about what kind of attention she places on a man. A woman's ordinary attention can look anywhere and find fault. She sees everything that's not working and whatever might possibly go wrong. This is because the attention is everything, has this everythingness factor in it. If you direct such attention 
your the woman at at the imperfections in your partner's thin ego structure, the masculine thin ego structure, that ego mechanically snaps into a scared, snarling dog fighting for its life. You get this? Because the masculine ego structure is this thin thing. And as soon as as soon as the woman starts presenting everything that could possibly go wrong, everything that's not working, the, the perspective of the everything, the man, the woman's list is longer than the man's day. You get this? Like the man's trying to fix things, make things right, solve the problem. That's not what the woman's trying to offer. The woman's trying to offer connection and relating and interaction. But the different kinds of attention cause this conflict and breakdown instantaneously. And it just it triggers this, this rabid dog reaction in the, in the untrained masculine ego structure. It will just, it's a mechanical reaction, fighting for its life. But as a woman, if you split off a portion of your practical field attention and use it to scan behind the scenes in all dimensions of your daily affairs to detect anything that needs to be handled, and if you place whatever you find on a prioritized list at the feet of your man to dispense with as he sees fit, that creates archetypal relating, a kind of archetypal relating. Because <clears throat> you're using your attention to, to benefit the man's job list, whatever. It's a, it's a way of taking into account the mechanical, you know, the, the mechanics of this archetypal forms of attention and making use of it rather than having it cause unconscious reactions. With the details handled through respectful teamwork rather than entangled in low drama, but we're not using the word low drama, so through conflict or misunderstanding mm -hmm. or you know, assumptions and expectations and projections and things like that, you can reserve the bulk of your feminine attention for appreciating the experience of being with an archetypal man as he brings you on adventures and fights his battles and rescues you from the dreary ordinary. Talking archetypally. Admiring your hero with archetypal feminine attention, even if he struggles or wavers in his efforts, it gives a man strength of knowing that someone truly believes in him. The mysterious strength that arises from knowing that someone truly believes in you makes legendary results possible. Behind every successful archetypal man is an archetypal woman admiring her hero. So you're getting, this is working in both directions. It is not a one direction thing. It's a, it's a archetypal level high drama. And if you don't understand the, the technology of archetypal high drama, you'll be just kind of mechanically sucked into unconscious low drama because the same mechanics are going to work. The dynamics does not go away. Should I wait for that? Keep going. Keep going. 
So the ability to intentionally place and sustain your attention on your partner takes intelligence and care to develop that ability. But we have a conflict here because the natural unintentional manifestation of the masculine and feminine. So then you have to kind of listen to this part carefully. The, the natural unintentional dark manifestation of the masculine is stupid aggressivity. Stupidity and being aggressive. This is the natural unconscious manifestation of the masculine. You can look around anywhere and just see it. It's like this machine. You push it this way and you get aggressive stupidity. And you can see this at the highest levels of political intrigue and international relations. It's no different. It's the same exact thing going on. And then, and then the natural unintentional manifestation of the unconscious feminine is evil, plotting, counter intrigues, yeah, twisting things around, deceptions. Like, and this is built in. It's a built in side effect of the unconscious manifestation of being in connection with everything. Like, anything less then intrigue is just so boring to the feminine. It's like, you kidding? You kidding me? I'm not going to do intrigue? You know, what else is there? There's nothing else. And and same with the masculine. You kidding me? I'm, you think I'm going to be something different than stupid and aggressive? What else is there? Let's have a fight. You know, who wants to fight? <laughs> That's a movie scene mm-hmm. from from Paris. Paris at midnight. Midnight in Paris. Midnight in Paris. Oh yeah, Hemingway. Hemingway. Yeah. Who wants to fight? You know, the women are just shaking their heads, going, "You idiots!" You know. So these two are archetypal forces, and if you're not calculating with them in your ordinary life, it's it, no wonder it turns into a mess. So this says here in the book, it says the key, and I would say a key to the archetypal domains is applying your attention with conscious intention. But practically speaking, we do not own our attention. You don't own your attention until you've trained to owning your attention. So most of the time, you do not even know where your attention is. Your attention wanders around, bouncing from one thing to the next thing, whatever flashy object or loud sound strikes you that's what gets your attention you know you get what i'm saying colorful light flashy we've been trained like that you know that's why children's toys sparkle you know they they put led lights in kids tennis shoes these days you know all this stuff sparkly light flashy loud it's all about getting the attention and then we're trained to give our attention away because where our energy goes where our attention goes, our energy goes, and that's where our wallet goes. That's where our money goes. First our attention, then our energy, and that includes our money. And it's just this vacuum clean. It starts with the attention. We've been trained on that ever since we were born. Without specific practice, you have 
difficulty placing your attention anywhere with intention for any length of time because your attention span is so short and you're so accustomed to letting it be absorbed in distractions. And the attention span, you know, when I was growing up, they used to have one minute long television commercials. Now they're five seconds, 10 seconds long. That's all the attention span people have right now, five, 10 seconds. And even that is stretching it. You can sit on a train sometime and watch or at a cafe and watch people do, flick through their Instagram account. You know, how long are they spending on any one thing? You know, not even a tenth of a second. That's how long people's attention span is these days. And it's this, it's kind of a mental masturbation. It's kind of like a fake, a fake brightness in your in your mind. You know, these flashy things going by, flash, 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 you know. And this we think is paying attention. It's not. It's just a, another way of self-abuse. So people these days have, I mean, this book was written, what, almost 20 years ago. Okay, it's gotten worse. It has gotten worse. Since your energy flows on your attention, then whatever has your attention also consumes your energy. Since it follows. Sorry. Since your energy follows your attention, since your energy follows your attention, then whatever has your attention also consumes your energy. So notice where your attention is going. And that's what's eating your energy. You know, and a lot of us have these mechanisms inside of us. We have mind machines. We have brain splits. We have voices in our head. We have these mechanisms inside our head that are getting our attention, not even out here, but in air. We get, we have our attention inside and that's where the energy goes inside. And we just eat up our own energy and we wonder why we get exhausted. So, so a thousand distractions feed on us they're just like vampires you know just sucking out your life energy a thousand distractions feed on you whenever you don't pay attention to exactly what you are feeding with your flow of energy so it's like a there's a it is possible this is what this is saying it's possible to notice what you're putting your attention on and where your energy is going you can notice this and it will be a nightmare for a while, it'll be a nightmare when you start noticing. Here is a list of distractions that consistently get your attention and devour your energy. Worries, resentments, physical pain or discomfort, even minor itches or having your hair out of place. Withholding communications or not saying what needs to be said is a distraction. Keeping secrets. Withholding anger, fear, or sadness, repressing joy. All of these things are using up your energy. These are common things that can devour your energy. Getting hooked, emotionally hooked, and overreacting. Taking sides in a conflict, like politics or any argument, opinions, taking a position about anything. Sports, religion, science, any kind of position, having opinions, sustaining beliefs. So if you have a belief about something, you have to sustain it because it's separate from reality. 
if people, if you just have this belief about something, if you don't keep it, if you don't protect it with your energy, it will just disappear because it's nothing. A belief is just a fiction. Avoiding unpleasant tasks. So you have these little inner strategies to put your attention here, over there, over there, over there, so you don't have to do things like call PayPal, something like that. Having internal mental conversations with other people, right? You're talking to somebody else in your own head. Your energy is going away. For days, you have these conversations. just sucks out your energy. Having other people's energy in your personal space. Like you might have stuff that you borrowed from somebody, that they left, that you that you stole from somebody. You might have stuff in your space from other people. It just sucks your energy away. Power or or un, uncompleted agreements. You've mm-hmm. made an agreement and you didn't complete it, and that's in your space until you actually complete it. Even if you consciously forgot the agreement, it's still there. Power struggles with authority figures. Making up justifications for what you did or what you want to do. It's not that you just do the thing or don't do it. You make up all these justifications for it. And that uses energy. Blaming other people so you're not to be blamed. Trying to be right. Trying to make other people wrong. Trying to be perfect. You know, Trying to get it perfect so you cannot be judged or criticized. It uses up so much energy. Complaining to anyone about anything, trying to get other people's attention, trying to remember what you forgot. You're just using up energy, trying to remember what you forgot from your brain. Most of those things that you try to remember what you forgot, if you if you move your attention from your brain to your heart, your heart will tell you right away. Mm-hmm. But it's not in your brain. It's in your heart. That was just a little side thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to find or reclaim what you have lost, trying to look good, trying to look better than other people, trying to be acceptable to other people, trying to make other people jealous, trying to look normal, trying to be superior, strategizing ways to get revenge, even for little things, even from things a long time ago. Being late, even just a few minutes, sucks away so much energy. Just being late to your agreement. Breaking your promises. Not answering the exact question that is asked. You get that? Somebody says, do you like bread? You go, I I thought about bread before, but, you know, potatoes have so much more starch in them. Do you like bread? Yes or no? You're not answering the question that's asked, that uses up so much energy. Isabel's laughing, oh my God. Saying more than what? I'm laughing because I'm holding space for Rage Club right now, and the woman there told me that thing, like after Rage Club, they, 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 like they said, what do you want? Say yes or no. This is a yes or no question. <laughs> 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 to other people, you know, yeah. in the environments. <laughs> yeah, you start noticing this stuff. It drives you crazy. That's what I'm saying. This is going to be a dark list, and we're not even halfway through. <laughs> saying more than is necessary. Driving faster than the speed limit. You know, people think they get energy from driving faster than the speed limit, but you are so afraid unconsciously. 
you know, it causes the stimulation. It just uses up energy. Arguing with anybody about anything, making messes, even the tiniest little messes for other people to clean up. I'm not talking about littering even. I'm talking about, you know, putting the trash can five centimeters out away from the wall that somebody has to come and push it back in to, for the wall. And you and there's all these little messes around that you can make and just uses up your energy. Living in unseen messes, like you, you're living in a mess, but you don't even know it. For example, your um, your attic is packed full of stuff, or you have a disc full of unwashed dishes, or you have a drawer full of unpaid bills. You know, these things are unseen messes, but they're just eating up your energy. Unfinished business, business, uncompleted projects. Like if you start a project and don't say this project is over, you don't end the project, then it's not over yet, and it's eating up your energy. Broken agreements, either by you or by others. Like if somebody breaks an agreement with you and you don't go to them and say you broke the agreement we had, that's not okay with me, or here's here's the consequences, or don't ever do that again, or whatever whatever it is. But if you don't address the issue and complete it, it'll just be like an open wound. It'll just you keep draining your energy out. If you put it, but uh, not following your impulses, I guess it's sort of withholding what you have to say or like how you have to move or like, I, I need to go in this street or I need to try this cake or this not following your impulses. Yeah. Yes. Broken objects that you have around little tiny things that need to be fixed. You have them stuck in drawers, little pieces here and there just drains out your energy. Too many possessions, like having more possessions than you need. And all of those drain your energy. Borrowing money from other people, borrowing things from other people drains your energy. Loaning money to other people or loaning things to other people also drains your energy. Some people think that if they borrow or loan things or money, then they have a connection. Mm -hmm. You get that? I'm connected because you owe me money because I borrowed your ashtray, whatever. You know, and this this thing is they, they think it's a connection, but it's actually this energy draining thing. And you can relate and be connected without that actual flow of energy. You can be connected without that. Flirting drains energy. Exchanging sexual energy casually with friends or strangers over the phone, over the internet. You know, this is drain, just takes your energy, just moves it out. Protecting other people from feeling hurt. You're we talking about that, like. You know, like not walking on their eggshells, not walking on their eggs. You're protecting them from feeling anything. That uses up energy. Being adaptive uses a huge amount of energy. Giving your center away. Being a source of psychic violence uses up your energy. So it's kind of like we said before with plotting revenge, you know, or just sending out a little curse in your head. That's drains your energy. Making lists of things to do uses up your energy. Because <clears throat> you can only do one, two, or three things at a time. Make, you know, and you can remember those. But if you make a list of things, it just kind of sucks. I have stack this big of lists of things to do. It's just draining. I don't have to go burn those. <laughs> Disorganization, confusion, pointless chaos drains your energy. 
listening to other people complaining. Can you believe it? Listening to other people complaining. Some people, if there's not enough people complaining around them, they turn on a television show and watch a series of other people complaining to each other because they still have giving away their, they have to give away their energy. Overeating, over drinking, junk food, drugs prescribed or not use up your energy. It's shocking. It is inc- like one of the biggest stores that's around here in Brazil is the pharmacy. And they've got a huge pharmacy on every corner. And they all open 24-7. 24-7 pharmacy. What's going on? People are just going in there and taking anything about anything and it just using up their energy. Trying to stay in fashion. You know, is your wardrobe meet today's fashions? This can just really use it. In being indulgent, indulging in things like fantasy worlds or over shopping, like these are indulgences. Mass media, so, you know, television, radio, newspaper, magazines, billboards, posters, overindulging in desire for objects or experiences. For example, sexual fantasies just uses up energy. Addictions to adrenaline, to problems, to being perfect, to speeding along. Gossiping or being around gossip just uses up energy. Triangulating in communications, that means talking to one person what you should be telling another person. It's called triangulating. Instead of going straight, you go over there. And it just uses up your energy. Not making enough boundaries with your children. The children will just suck you dry, you know, because you don't make the boundaries. I was talking with a family, and while we were trying to talk, the kid was completely destroying the space. I said, it looks like you haven't explained to your child that there are different kinds of spaces. There's an adult space, and there's a kid's space. And when we're talking on the phone, this is an adult space. So if you want to be in an adult space, you're quiet. If you want to be in a kid's space, you go over in that room, you shut the door, you make all the noise you want. They never made that distinction for the kid. So the kid thinks every space is a kid's space and just no boundaries. Not enough boundaries with your parents. I mean, hey, your parents are mostly children anyway. So you don't have boundaries with them, they'll do the same thing. Not enough boundaries with your own gremlin. This is the gremlin transformation work. Excessive orgasms or orgiastic behavior. So it's like this kind of like indulgence, like a anything. It's like hysteria, like hysteric being hysterical. You know, some people they just if anything that happens, they go hysterical. Like that kind of thing just uses up energy. Making boundaries at the castle gate instead of at the frontier. What that means is you know, the enemy's attacking, you know, the rent is due, you know, what, you know, you notice some illness is coming, but you don't do anything about it, et cetera, et cetera. Like somebody's taking your stuff and not giving it back and you wait a long time. It's like, instead of making the boundary while the enemy is out at the frontier, you wait until they're bashing in the front door of your castle with a log. It's too late. You know, all of that is wasted time and energy. Avoiding contact or intimacy with your mate or, or your friends or your colleagues at work. Like using up energy, avoiding intimacy. And that uses up huge amounts of energy. Shunning, it's called. 
or making other plans, having a back door from your current situation. So you're working at your job, but you're thinking, well, I'm going to maybe do this, or maybe I'll do that, or maybe I'll do this, but you don't do any of it. You just use up your energy making all these plans, or you're with somebody and you go, gosh, maybe I'm going to go be somewhere else with somebody else. You know, and all this planning is going on and it's just using up energy. Leading a double life, that's what it's called, or triple life. So not expressing what is really going on with you uses up energy. Conflicts with your neighbors, colleagues, boss, employees, violence, cathartic expression of emotions, watching horror films, watch or reading horror novels. This just uses up this energy. Doing things that you do not consciously take responsibility for choosing to do. Like unconsciously choosing to do stuff. Doing things you do not want to do. Always just doing things. Doing, doing, doing. This uses up your energy. The list goes on. So as you can see, your energy is swiftly devoured by countless distractions. Without paying attention to your attention, you pre your precious energy is easily sucked away. And your life is like a sieve with a thousand holes in it. You can be drained in a matter of seconds. No wonder you can be so tired halfway through the day without realizing how you frivolously spend your daily energy allotment. Then you have little patience for deep listening, for being with others, or for doing edgework experiments. The daily allotment of energy is the food of both the archetypal male and archetypal female. If our archetypal energy is eaten by other things, then we have no resources to work with. It is archetypal man's and women's job to create and manage your own resources, to create and manage energy, both archetypal masculine and feminine can intentionally establish different practices with their attention. You can start playing a new game. End of section. James Samuel, what were you going to say? Thank you, Clinton. The um, the list is long and tiresome and and very clear. And I I wrote a note earlier to question to myself what would happen if I focused all of my attention and energy on the. the project that my heart is longing to, to manifest. Thank you. Anybody else? Something? Door, you haven't said anything yet. Could you say something? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. 
is uh, what's coming for me with coming up for me with this list is that there is sadness about I, I wrote down like a bunch of things that I still do that are sucking my energy and also joy because I think in the start of the book there was there was some of this not all but some of some of those things and and I saw that I then you know some of these things I, I shifted and and I have joy about it it's it's like you know it's it's work in progress and I and I feel that I have more of my energy now than I had before and I'm glad about it thank you we're going to end a few minutes early so incline I can jump on a different call so I I want to leave it like this I want to leave this as a as an experiment is to start to notice really notice and really write it down in your beat book you know, the different ways where your attention gets hooked somewhere and your energy goes there that you might not have realized what was going on. <clears throat> it's not, like I said, it's not about judging it or criticizing it or even trying to change it right now. Mm -hmm. Point is not about changing anything. The point is to notice and to, de to develop your sensitivity so you can start to notice where your attention goes, your energy flows. When your attention is doing this, your energy is going there. Okay, what's the benefit? You know, the, the result of all this is, I think it's like James, like you're saying, it's like, gosh, I've got a lot of energy. I've got a lot more energy than I ever thought. I'm just using it up in a million different little ways. I'm just wasting it out, all this sieves, holes in the sieve. You know, it's going down the drain. Then why? You know, why do I need to blow off all my energy? And it might be like Aunt Chloe said, so you don't shine. So you do not shine. So you do not, you know, like James is saying, put your energy into what you actually would love to do rather than what the system is telling you to do. You know, what the habits are telling you to do. Who would you be with, with that much energy? Dare you be that? Dare you to do that experiment? And so it's not about this week. It's not about trying to do anything to stop or change anything, please. It's not about that. It's about noticing. Noticing where your attention goes. Noticing where your energy flows. And just notice it and try to write it down and just... Notice, 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 without judging yourself. All right. Anything else before we disappear off the screen? We're not disappearing, we're just... <laughs> the screen goes dark. <laughs> I mean, you guys are with us the whole week. It's great. I, I enjoy mm -hmm. your company, so... Yeah, I I'll thank you, Janet. I'll post so we're meeting next week, not but not on Tuesday slash Wednesday for the New Zealand people. So I'll I'll set out a, a time and a day. Same time, probably different day. Yeah. All right. Thank you all for being here. Thanks for holding the space. Thank you. Thanks for listening and Bye. asking. Bye everyone. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye everyone.
Tchau. Bye. Tchau. Tchau.